What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights today. We finally have the coach-client confidential everyone was looking forward to with my coach, Joe Sanic, and we cover the prep leading up to the Virginia Pro. Very interesting conversation. If you have listened to any of our coach-client confidentials, we do it after every meet, and we usually talk about the prep leading up to the meet, the plan going forward, and some programming updates. This is actually an interesting one because it's mid-block. We are currently under prep for the Arnold. Uh, that's going to be taking place the first week of June. So we give updates on that, our philosophies. And this is just a really good in, uh, show for people who are looking for a really good example of a coach-client relationship. Also, it's great for coaches, too. Um on people who are getting into coaching, people are trying to learn to the craft. Just an interesting conversation between a coach and his athlete on what exactly needs to be done to improve. And people just really enjoy this episode. I obviously enjoy it because it's you know about me. It's about me and my programming. And I always get excited. I could tell Joe always gets excited to have these conversations. It's always fun to do these. People really enjoy them. The ratings for these are really high, and people have been asking for it. So you finally have it. We apologize it took so long. We both got busy. We talk about the intro of the uh, Coach Client Confidential. Um, so, yeah, about 90 minutes worth of me and Joe talking about powerlifting, coach-client relationships. Fantastic episode. I'm sure a lot of you will enjoy it, but before we get into this episode, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com, follow them on Instagram to check out the best powerlifting merchandise in the sports. They got you covered from head to toe. Dad hats, tank tops, t-shirts, crew necks, long sleeve tees, joggers, shorts, socks, they got you covered looking great from head to toe. You will look fantastic in the gym, on the platform, and just outside because that's how good Left Floor Bros. I'm not joking. My girlfriend was wearing my sweater from Left Floor Bros. She got a ton of compliments at the bar we were just at watching the football games. I'm not joking. It looks great outside the gym. Use promo code 2WL15 to make yourself look good and also make your girlfriend look good for those of you who have them. Get yourself some Left Floor Bros merchandise. Use promo code 2WL15, the best promo code in powerlifting, to save yourself some money also while you're on there. Get some 2 White Lights merchandise as well. You're a fan of the show. Wear the stuff. Wear the stuff that the show makes. Also use that promo code 2WL15. And also make sure you go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic Gear. Stoic Gear is the best powerlifting gear in the sport. I only wear it in the gym and on the platform because it's quality. The knee sleeves, the singlets, the wrist wraps, I love them. They look great, and also they're affordable. You know, you're not just paying for a logo. You're paying for quality when you get Stoic Gear. Go to lift.net, use promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on Stoic Gear. Everything will be discounted if you use that promo code ANGELO10. Already affordable gear can be more affordable if you use that promo code. Also, make sure you're going to NotoriousLift.com and get yourself... Some notorious lift, no slip drip slippers. They are coming out with new colorways. They continuously come out with new designs, and they'll look fantastic. And also, of course, they're going to help your deadlift. It is a dual threat. It's like Michael Vick. You look good, and also you deadlift good. 
You cannot get that combo. It is the best combo you can ask for. Looking good and also lifting a lot of weights. Sign up for the newsletter because those things sell out so quick. And when you sign up for that newsletter, get the colorway you want that's going to match your platform attire, your gym attire. Use promo code ANG15. That's ANG15 to save yourself some money on Notorious Lift No Slip Drip Slippers. I'm telling you, you're going to want these slippers. Also, go to Freshly.com, new sponsor alert, Freshly.com, and get yourself some healthy, affordable foods. Powerlifters need to eat healthier. There, I said it. Don't go and have a pre-workout meal of gummy worms washed down with a Gatorade. Don't eat like Gage Carry-On. Eat like an actual adult. Eat like a person who is trying to eat healthy. Eat like a person who's a professional athlete because professional athletes need to eat healthy. Go to Freshly.com and get yourself some fresh, healthy foods. They're high in protein. They're well-rounded. You're going to get your veggies in. Powerlifters need to eat more vegetables. Also, you can save up to $45 if you use promo code AFF. And I'm sorry, and AFF. Use promo code and AFF to save yourself some money on some healthy, high protein meals. I'm telling you guys, you're going to want some freshly food. I've been eating it, it's fantastic. Also, it gives me that healthy meal for the day. It makes life a little easier as well. So use that promo code. Make sure you're on Freshly.com. Check it out. I post it on my story. Whenever I get some food, make sure you go to that link as well. Also, Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and leave a review. That helps the show a lot. Subscribe on Spotify as well, and also go on twowhitelights.com and subscribe there. Subscribe on everything. Download everything as well. It helps us on Two White Lights, and without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. promise i got with me my coach in person with our first ever in person coach client confidentiality also it's worth the wait yes we had to we 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 took our sweet time with this one we really did (laughs) but how are you man thank you for coming to houston hey yeah i i love it man i i haven't been up here for a while so it's it's nice to come down here it's my first time at project strength shout out to kyle and the rest of the team for Having us, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so this this was heavily requested. And I didn't think it would be this heavily requested that we did this. Um, we do it after every one of our meets. Um, we've actually haven't skipped a beat. We were planning on doing it for the Virginia Pro afterwards, but we have very, especially during this time, we actually have very busy lives. I think both right. of us have gotten incredibly more busy uh, since June. You know, you opened your gym. Mm-hmm. I moved out to Houston. I'm doing a lot with two white lights in my current job. You have a lot going on. So we just couldn't really do it in the time frame that people are used to having this close client confidential. But we're here now midway through a block. We can't talk about it. And also a lot of people are going to be happy because I, I honestly thought people didn't remember. I was like, like ah, ah. 
there's a lot of shit going on in powerlifting right now where people are remembering and then people are messing. He's like, well, what what happened with the coach client confidential? They're gonna do it. I'm like, oh, I guess people didn't forget. I guess what happens when you're consistent on a podcast? Yeah, very true. And I mean, I didn't forget either. I I actually like doing these in person because it, yeah. it lets me ask you things that I you know don't always get the chance to if we don't get the chance to go back and forth you know mm-hmm. yeah and i know that people really enjoy listening to it for I, if they're coaches if they are athletes if they're a person programming themselves and what are the qualifications or the necessary uh the necessary um practices between coaches and clients and also some of the issues that i have or some of the successes that i have can also relate to the person listening so um, yeah, rather popular, uh, episode topic that we do and let's get to it. So usually we go into the meet that I just recently did, which is a Virginia pro. And we always talk about the programming up to it. So can you explain to the people the rationale behind the programming for the uh, Virginia pro? Yeah. So the biggest thing going into the pro with, with this being, at least I would argue our, like our, our biggest meet in terms of what's going on because mm-hmm. um, it's it's obviously something that's never happened before and it really is a chance for us to kind of experiment a little bit more because even though it's a big meet with a, a lot of cool things up for grabs, it doesn't really mean a ton. Mm-hmm. So, Well, then on top of that, I want to point out that when we agreed to it, it was a meet that we both were like, well, there's no chance I'm winning any money because right. it was it the, the original roster was... Taylor Atwood, Ashton Ruska, Amanda Lawrence, Heather Connor, and then the rest of the and then Austin Perkins, Dan Clement. So it was like a meet that was gonna be a shark tank and it was just kinda of meet to do, and then it turned into like six weeks out, like, oh shit, maybe we can win money and kinda of had to pivot certain things. Yeah. So it, it really was just kinda of gonna be sort of a down like practice type of meet and then yeah, actually, six weeks out is is when we really kind of decided. Okay, we kind of need to push a little bit harder because mm-hmm. there there is a chance we could do something cool with this. Um, so that kind of that combination of things made for an interesting block. But the the biggest difference in this in in the lead up to it, the last push was kind of about six weeks out. But we had been doing um, a lot of work with uh, the SSB prior to, and I had changed, I'm just going to kind of go lift by lift. Mm-hmm. Um, I had changed your, your squat approach, uh, to basically give you the chance to practice low bar a little bit more with the pause squat on the middle day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd actually thrown in high bar on the first day, which we hadn't really done in. Since I, we started, I mean, uh, it, it's been about a year actually like, yeah, the, uh, the year anniversary of us switching the high bar to low bar was right after uh, Midwest primetime, which was late October. So early November is when I started doing low bar for the first time. So it's been uh, over a year yeah. of low bar progress. Yeah, so that the, the rationale there was it was just something that was a little bit closer to your comp stance. There was a little bit more novelty to it, at least because we hadn't done it in such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would give you a chance to do something that was at least a little bit higher um, intensity overall compared Mm -hmm. to what we were doing previous to that, which was beltless SSB. Um, So that is kind of our first day. And then, like I mentioned, kind of doing that pause squat on Thursday. And then obviously our comp squat on Saturday, which is something that we haven't really changed since our jump into nationals. Um, So the the biggest difference in this approach compared to what we had done previously 
was one the high bar and also just kind of pushing the intensity of the the back downs on this uh primary day a little bit more mm-hmm. and that was something that uh i I- admittedly had looked at and said okay I-, I think it makes a little bit more sense for us to try to make this day a little bit more intense because mm-hmm. it it essentially gives you more ways in which you can look at progress right yeah so we did and we actually ended up hitting if i because i was looking back at our old programs we actually ended up hitting uh some some pretty significant prs for what you've done i mean looking at the the last week before the meet we did like 88% of your one rep max for multiple sets of four. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, it was it was difficult, but yeah, that was something that was pretty like strongly reflective mm-hmm. of, I think, a pretty darn good squat. Um, now, when it came to meet day, and this is something that was like not just in the, the lead up to the Virginia Pro, but I would say even like the, the blocks before it. And, you know, I, I would even say as, as far back as, as nationals, um, I think you were having this this pinching in your quad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was it was like right after nationals. Um, probably the week or two afterwards, I started to feel it, and it started to be consistent, and it was it was more so of a discomfort thing um, that I would feel on squats. Actually, while I'm squatting, it's not as bad as where I'm just sitting or lying down. Mm-hmm. Like, there's actual, like, discomfort consistently when I do that. Uh, we discussed that uh, recently when I went to Austin and um, Andrew was able to help out a little bit, release some tension there and get some good stretches in where hopefully we'll see some improvement on that. But yeah, the the pinching was consistent from really since I moved to Houston mm-hmm. till the Virginia pro. Um, and I think that lack of like this discomfort in my quad slash hip at nationals was the reason why I was able to kind of have a really good squat day there. And we had to be more conservative uh, going forward. I think of Virginia Pro. I think more weight was there on the day. I agree. But also, I don't know if um, it would have been a good idea to really push it yeah. on squat one because, like, I, I a person like me needs to hit all three squats. Right. Like, we need to hit our squats in order to really be in uh, contention because of the big deadlift. Right. Um, and also squats. Uh, you know, even if I RP 10, 300 kilos, like how good is that lift if i rp 10 really grind it you know lose lose a lot of energy going forward to bench and deadlift like you still have to think of the strategy so 292 was a safe call i think it was the right call that day um felt relatively comfortable yeah and yeah i think um i think going forward too just kind of nailing down those cues we talked about it today like we saw a little bit of that um kind of some inconsistency uh with with just me, I think that's not a programming thing. It was more of a me thing, just uh, kind of falling out into or falling into some bad habits. Yeah, I, and I mean, it, it, admittedly, I, I do think um, there are some programming decisions that the Virginia Pro taught me based on how you're progressing as a lifter. Because like, if you think about it, where we came from with your squat originally, like you know, when we did the Arnold, you squatted just short of six hundred pounds you know, quite easily. And, and a lot of the work that you were doing leading up to that was also quite easy. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's been that way for a while. We've seen a lot of linearity in your squat, right? So as a result of that, with all of your work being quite easy in what you're doing, I think uh, that you're at this point now where because your squat is so strong, all of the back off work is actually starting to become a lot more challenging. And, you know, maybe some of those smaller tissues, for one, need to catch up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's partially reflected in the in the new approach that we're doing and we, we can talk about that when we finish you know wrapping up uh, this talk on the meet 
But that said, uh, I do think that for me, that also tells me in terms of your, your programming into the, the Arnold, we probably need to maybe pull back your squat a little bit earlier than we have previously in order to get the most out of a taper. I Mm -hmm. think, I think length of taper maybe matters a little bit more to you now, because like I said, we've with your taper, traditionally speaking like that last, you know, week of the meet has really all, that's all we've needed to pull back. Right. Whereas I think now if we give you a little bit of extra time, maybe, you know, an, an additional half week, maybe even a full week, depending on how you're feeling, I think we'll probably get more out of your squat that way. Because, again, if you look at this objectively, you you came out of that training cycle better based on the fact that you did as much as you did on, on your, your back-off weight a week out. I think maybe we just needed a little bit more rest overall in order mm-hmm. to actually come through. Now, also on the day, I will say, between your three attempts, you kind of got a little forward on your second, which yeah. is why I didn't call for as much weight as I, I think. I think you could have tied your PR on the day. Yeah. Um, maybe granted out 300. And I, I might have given you, had had the second gone a little bit better, I, I might have given you more. But the other thing, too, with you you being a deadlifter, like, I'm not going to risk you not having juice on your deadlift. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the big thing that it's, it's taught me. Um, and I, I think going into, and again, we'll talk about what your approach to the, the Arnold is like as far as squats go, but I think going into the Arnold, that's kind of going to be the big change overall is we're just going to pull your squat back a little bit earlier, based, mm-hmm. especially based on how you're feeling. Um, I, and I, I think we'll probably get a little bit more out of the taper that way, just because objectively speaking, you're, you're stronger. I think you just need more time to realize it. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And I think we're, going, we're actually kind of going through the, uh, the I think, typical journey or progression a powerlifter goes through where you start to improve really well on a lift and you know you kind of hit some roadblocks and you your body is catching up to you back offsets are harder and hitting the top single consistently is harder too like when we look from 2020 or uh let's go 2021 to now or 2020 through 2021 it's like we put on really a lot of weight on the squat and particularly the squat too that's been easily the our biggest success is that and I think you're just going to eventually slow down right. um, with it. And also, I think we have a good approach where we didn't get too aggressive at any point. And that, that good approach kind of helped me not put myself way behind, too. Because that was another thing that I was, you know, thinking about the prep for the pro. I mean, it was very clear to everyone um, listening to Two White Lights and me and Steve. is like, this is not quite like the prep of Nationals. Oh, yeah. But I'm hitting – but I'm hitting uh, – um, you know, my RPs, right. I'm hitting things like I'm hitting my RPs. I'm still doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And if I was trying to match those numbers from nationals, you know, we're, we might not have been competing at the Virginia pro. I might've fucked something up and snapped myself up and same thing with now. So I think our approach of just understanding the RPE and why it's there and also understanding each other mm-hmm. and our ability to actually stay conservative. Yeah. Um, at times, you had to tell me to be more aggressive. Right. But this time is actually where it was helping me because I'm typically more of a conservative lifter on my lifts. For sure. Where I think it actually helped in the long run because, you know, we're, it's body's a little beat up, but I can still train five days a week. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, do you, would you prefer that we talk about the approach for 
the Arnold now or, or just like finish talking about the, the lead up and then go? Let's, well, let's, let's go to, um, I think, our biggest area and concern is bench press because I think there's, uh, one, a lot of questions on that from a lot of people and two, just out of my own curiosity because we've, we've discussed a lot already with bench um, oh, yeah. privately, of course. We, didn't, we don't do everything publicly on Two White Lights. We discuss a lot privately on bench, um, but I think there's still way more – way more information that I could learn For sure. from it. And also just um, getting a better understanding of that lift. Yeah. So obviously your, your bench has been like just even, even in our best training cycles, it's been the most stubborn lift. And I, I think that's not an uncommon thing for most power lifters, mm-hmm. you know, my, myself included. Um, it's, it's definitely the most stubborn lift for most people. And for you, especially like being somebody who I would argue is built pretty well for squat and for deadlift, uh, I think that it, you know, having that, that just such natural ability on both of those lifts and then looking at bench and just kind of feeling, you know, sort of all over the place that kind of adds to that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't mean that from like an insulting standpoint, it's just like biomechanically speaking, you know, you're, you're not built super well to bench. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of something that we really started to see in the lead up to the the pro uh, and that in combination with uh some again this ironically has to do with the squat but just like getting really beat up in the upper body from low bar squats which mm-hmm. again i think is just a reflection of how much stronger you've gotten on squat yeah and i think going back to squat too i think one thing was that transition to low uh high bar mm-hmm. uh for that one day I think that actually negatively affected my bench because there was a lot of there was a lot of stress being put on my shoulders. Didn't feel it like a ton at the time, but like towards that last two weeks, I started to feel it more, and it made sense. I'm like, yeah, I have to kind of control it. Like I was in a really good position for, with high bar squat. It felt like I was in a groove, but right. I think with the uh, with my body getting beat up from low bar squats, especially because of the amount of weight we're moving now, yeah. we are we are considerably stronger than when we started, um, and we like that was never a problem. And that was because I think I had a sub-600 squat. Yeah. Um, and we were always able to hit bench press. Really, I mean, we forget, like, 2021 20, or 2020 where we just started working, and you put 10 kilos on my bench right. um, within that one year. Right. Uh, we got up to 170, hit 170 twice in competition. Right. And then once my squat started to gradually increase, and I saw I started to see a dip in my uh, bench. Right. And, and that's – Which, I would, by the way, I'm, I'm taking that trade off. Yeah. That, that trade-off has been incredible. Like, still, I, you, people can give me a hard time about the bench. That trade-off has been fantastic. We put, like, what, 20 kilos on my squat, and then we lost from Nationals 5 kilos from 170. That's obviously, you know, if you guys are good at math, that's a good that's a good trade-off. Yeah, you you actually, just a fun fact, because I looked this up on Open Powerlifting, you have the, the lowest bench press of anybody who's ever totaled 800 kilos. Yes, yeah, which, that's my record. That's the record that I hold. Which is, I mean, I guess an impressive thing, right? Yeah. Um, but obviously, we want to change that. So, leading leading into the pro, um, we were talking a, a lot back and forth about this, and and it was just something that was some something that to me was frustrating as an online coach, right? Because, and I, I think this is something that's kind of frustrating for anybody who's coaching. Uh, an athlete out there that's going through pain because it can be very difficult to diagnose something like that in person. And I say that loosely because I'm not a medical professional and legally I cannot diagnose things. Just a disclaimer there, but you, you get my drift. It's, yeah. it's kind of hard to, to see that. So in the lead up to that, you know, it was really frustrating trying to figure out a solution to that being far away. Um, and you just kind of describing, you know, the pain in your, your shoulder that you were having. 
um, it just it, it made things a little bit more difficult for me to adjust from a programming standpoint because I wasn't exactly sure like what do I need to pull back on in order to to upscale his performance. Now, mm-hmm. admittedly, um, we we were able to to kind of swing a little bit upward uh, going into things compared to like you know we were kind of trending a little bit downward over the course of the last you know, three weeks or so, and then we, we were able to kind of swing upward. Um, and I think, ironically, you know, the the taper that we had, it it kind of pulled the pain back a little bit. And this is actually another reason why I think uh, or that lends to a longer taper in the squat. Mm-hmm. Um, because your, your upper body was less beat up, you just, you had more, you know, capability to actually bench press. Yeah. Um, so on, on the day when we got there, your, your last warm-up just moved infinitely better than I, I thought it did. Um, and, you know, part of that was uh, that we were able to actually kind of pinpoint, like you were actually able to point to me and say, like, this is this is where it, it hurts, and it's that, like, distal bicep tendon. So that's, for those that don't speak anatomy, that's kind of that, like, upper upper portion of the bicep that connects into the shoulder. Um, and, like, seeing how that affected you and affected your mechanics i was like okay you know if, if we just throw some heat cream on this you know we should be able to squeak out a a bench and then again i think you had the capability to move more on the day but it just like it got to the point where the weight was so heavy that it just kind of started to affect mm-hmm. that like it and it also probably didn't help that like because of the pain you weren't really able to touch yeah, yeah that you know that's been the big thing is when you look at all of our preps we hit what we hit in the gym on the platform. Right. Like, we don't go – we've never actually – we went above it once, and that was Midwest primetime. And um, that was a bit expected because, uh, we, you know, we were on the fat pad, and right. we could probably – and I and actually, I was inconsistent on training on the fat pad, too, at, yeah. at times. Um, it's just, you know, sometimes it's better to train on the, the shittier uh, the bench press um, combo rack. But – I think we've always been so close mm-hmm. in what we hit in the gym and on the platform that I'm like, and that was what 162 was the heaviest I've went yeah. uh, in the gym. And it was because of those very same reasons. Like it was um, a bit painful for me. Um, also, I think our, I, I can want to hear your thoughts on the mechanics have probably changed a little bit for a touch. like my, what putting on a little bit more size, but now like that, that max grip, isn't feeling as good. And we'll talk about, like, just our changes in bench press soon. But uh, I think we were making too little changes too late or we weren't making enough changes. And it was one of those things where you can't, you, you can't tell me to – but also in six weeks out, I can't be like, okay, let's, 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 uh, let's do narrow grip and yeah. let's uh, change your setup – because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm struggling with that now, and we've done that, and it's it, it takes pra- like you need to practice those things. So yeah. you kind of have to go with you know, and hopefully you can match your PR or some uh, come somewhat close to it. But we weren't able to come close to really 162 yeah. uh, or like 170 throughout all my prep. Yeah, and and again, the the main thing because it's it's not like it's not like what we we were doing for like our prep for nationals where we had a, a little bit of a tougher time benching and this, this one in particular, it's not like we were doing anything drastically different as far as the, the volume levels. And, you know, a, a, as far as even the exercise selection, we've kind of gone with some of our, our greatest hits there. And I just think the only thing that's really changed is at least in terms of overall programming is the, the difficulty of your squats. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to, so going forward, you know, the interference of the 
upper body is something that we have to address a little bit better. Yeah. Now, the, the mechanics, yeah, I, I also kind of agree with you there. I, I think, and again, we'll, we'll discuss this in a little bit more detail, but I think the biggest difference is that you're not using your pecs in the mecha- most ad- advantageous way, mechanically speaking. You know, you're oftentimes when things get heavier, you're, and people at home can't really see this, but you'll almost be out in sort of like a guillotine type position where your arms are just way, way out from your body rather than being a little bit closer. Um, and, you know, that's that would be one thing if you had like, you know, a, a Noriega type arch where mm-hmm. you're just kind of able to get away with a little bit more of that because you have such a little range of motion. But that's not you. You arguably are just one of those lifters that just has to be brutally strong. And, you know, once once the arm dips below a certain point, if you're way out here, you're just not going to be able to use the pec as advantageously in the press and, and it's going to rely on the shoulder a little bit more. And then, you know, we talked about this, the fact that your distal bicep tendon that's connecting into your shoulder was causing so much pain. Of course, you're not going to be able to lift to a, a maximal level. Um, so that is, is something that going forward, we're really going to address in terms of mechanics, in terms of programming um, and just giving you overall more uh, practice with a position that actually like makes use of all of the musculature that you have there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a good bench press, at least biomechanically speaking, should use all of those muscles, right? And as things were getting heavier for you, the problem was we were just drifting so far out that it's just like it's basically this this weird flat shoulder press mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of tricep at the end. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the big issue, like technically speaking. And the the reason that that wasn't happening before was we just one weren't flaring quite as much on the heavy stuff. Um, and also just like a, a difference in touch point, which we, again, kind of talked a, a little bit more about. And I, I, we'll dive into that a little bit more when we talk mechanics. But yeah, yeah. so that's that's what that's what I think went wrong over the course of, of prep. Um, and it, it was just a, a type of situation where like we were just too close to the meet where it, it was just going to be hard to sort of redo all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did, we did the best that we could. And obviously, at the end of the day, I think that the, the, the pain was more of an issue than the technique per se, but it's just like one fed into the other. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree with you on that one. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, I guess that answers it as far as bench goes. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people were expecting that too Yeah. Um, going forward. And I know I was. Once I hit 162 and the gym, I just knew that oh, – the best I could hold for is 165. Sure. Like, I didn't think that one, I didn't think it was realistic for us to, to magically get 170 right. um, on the day. Right. Um, all right, so let's go into deadlift. Yeah. Uh, everyone's favorite lift, especially when I do it, uh, because I I have a deadlift. Yeah. And it, it puts me in the competitions. Um, for my perspective, this was weird. It was a weird. It was thing, a yeah. very weird prep where I didn't feel comfortable. I actually throughout most of the prep i didn't feel that comfortable with it and we pull a pr yeah i yeah i, <laughs> I don't know do you, do, you, do you want the the magical coach's explanation on that yeah so again it's so funny that so many of these things come back to to the squat but the thing is like especially with you where you have such a close deadlift stance mm-hmm. um there's going to be some some interference there as far as the squat kind of masking your strength on the deadlift and i think that that's as you get stronger that's only going to continue um the biggest thing that i saw over the course of this prep was just you like just not being able to handle quite as much weight on on your primary days but i almost in a way i, I almost knew that that 
was kind of what was going on with the squat anyway, because your legs are just naturally more tired coming into things. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the block prior to the like us deciding to do the VA Pro the day before your deadlifts, we were doing a beltless SSB, and I kind of did that one is just something where we could maybe push the deadlift a little bit harder um, on that following day j- just because you wouldn't be using as much weight but two just to kind of test that theory a little bit um but now what i've seen um that i think we're just going to kind of do, do going forward if we have that day and we just kind of know that things are a little bit masked um i i think reliably we can say that your deadlift will get even more out of a taper than it might have before mm-hmm. just because the squat is masking some of your top end strength um so i i think in all honesty, the the type of training where we just really like continue to push the squat hard as long as we're paying respect to you know making sure that your upper body uh, is respected, and then just kind of doing what we've always done with your deadlift, where we know that this allows you to progress, and just respecting the fact that okay, maybe we don't have as much as much top end strength in training, but mm-hmm. then we know okay, as long as we go through this taper, we'll we'll have a, a better day, and and. You told me, you know, in the warm-up room for the VA Pro, it's just like, okay, set me up for a 350 deadlift. Yeah. And I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I think he can pull that. That's That shouldn't be much of an issue. Um, so we just came out and, you know, you did that. Yeah. And I, the other thing, too, that I was quite impressed by, because I hadn't seen you really do it before, uh, was you, you grinded through that. Yeah. Um, and this is something that uh, going forward, I, I think – especially now with us being six-ish weeks out from the Arnold, um, we kind of have to make a decision about that because I do think that your technique has kind of also changed a bit on deadlift now. And it's it's sort of a question of do we do we continue with that technique evolution or do we kind of go back to where we were with things depending on how comfortable you feel? Yeah, it was, a, that was an interesting discussion we had recently. I think it was my last deadlift day. And, yeah, it's, it's strange. Um I just, again, going back, I always go back to you know, our best preps, and I think Nationals was our best prep uh, with all my lists. Yeah. Um, you know, squat, bench, and, or not bench, I would say squat and deadlift. Uh, definitely we're having some progress there, and everything just felt and looked easy. Yeah. Um, I remember I, I remember pulling six or 767, I think it was, in the gym, and it just moving really effortlessly, mm-hmm. and it just felt really good. And throughout this prep, uh, things were moving slower. Yeah. I felt my deadlift more. We were able to grind through things, but it's like, well, we were hitting some real big numbers yeah. really effortlessly, so I, I can only feel regression. Um, but then, I mean, you go back to Midwest primetime, where things were, I think, were kind of going well during that. That was, uh, that was a bit of a difficult prep, I do remember, with that, because... Uh, life changes, working manual labor job, and, you know, yeah. I'm a teacher, so <laughs> it was from sitting down and uh, teaching kids to, you know, doing a labor job right. uh, during that time, and I know things changed, but I remember, uh, you know, a week out, we hit uh, 750, moved mm-hmm. really well, well, that was the unseen 750, because mm-hmm. I was not recording, but we did see the footage of 738 or 744 or something, right. and it moved great. Like it was an effortless list to a point, effortless lift where I was too, uh, where I was actually comfortable getting to 750 on the day, right. which I don't typically do in the gym. Right. Um, but that's how easy it felt. And then I missed 771. Yeah. <laughs> and like on the day, so this one deadlift felt like shit the entire time throughout uh, all of prep. Um, didn't wasn't quite in a groove. Even Steve said when he saw me saying he's like you. 
moved 7.33 at Midwest primetime easier than you moved 7.33 at this meet. So now I'm thinking, like, maybe it's just we have to grind out lifts now and can't make everything look effortless. And really it was like, you know, I I still think my top end on nationals was within a 350 to 352 range. I don't think I had a whole lot more on that day. Yeah. And this day, I, and, I, and I felt great, great that day. Like, that 752 that I moved at uh, um, nationals was very easy for me. Right. It was a very easy lift for me. Um where I didn't feel like I expended a whole lot of energy, and I still think my top end strength was the same on those two days, which is, it, I don't know, it was a strange, a strange uh, prep for deadlifts. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, that we that we had done in the block prior to that, because if you remember correctly, you know, we were still, like, just not sure if we were going to do the Virginia prep, the Virginia Pro. Mm-hmm. So we had we had taken singles out, you know, just to kind of give you some, some room to breathe, and, and that sort of played into what I was kind of, discussing before with the squat where I was kind of thinking to myself like, okay, his squat's starting to interfere with his deadlift. So maybe, you know, just give him a little bit more momentum. We take the single out um, and then putting it back in six weeks out, you know, it, it was just, you weren't really used to moving that weight quite as well. Yeah. Um, so that was something that played into it as well. And then moving, moving forward, I think looking at uh, like our best preps, I, I think I, I mean, I can, I can comment on, on this when we talk like your, your current block, but I think, for you in particular, um, you know, not not every lifter needs singles year round, but I think just for you having the the practice, and we've discussed this, having the the practice is just I- invaluable for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, that's what I think too, and I think that's what I think we. This is uh, this is a question that's commonly asked uh, for me from a lot of people: is why did you take out singles? And it was like we didn't think that we were going to compete in December. Yeah, like that was a big thing, and I was I okayed it. I okayed you not uh, taking out those singles, and I think even if we're not compete or if we don't, have, I think we could keep in the singles. Um, I don't three lists just for that practice, and but you don't know until you know it. Like, yeah, we're sitting there thinking I was gonna do a USPA meet, and then immediately I'm like, I don't think I can do that USPA meet because I'm moving right. and I can't travel to Illinois that consistently, yeah. especially during the month of October. It was just a bad month for me, and. The Virginia Pro falls on our lap, and we kind of pivoted at the last moment there, like from the deadlift bar to the stiff bar to the squat bar to the stiff bar again. And, th- like, just going through it, I mean, if we could talk about the Virginia Pro as a whole, I mean, getting to the comp day, just the weeks leading up to it, I'm like, this is just a meet I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Like, that was that was really um, the conclusion I came to. It's like, there was no reason to do it. My body was recovering from nationals, and... Um, we were, I wouldn't say fucking around for six weeks. I, I would say we were definitely getting into practice and working very hard too. Cause those pause five deadlifts were, were definitely not easy. And squatting 600 for three was definitely not easy. We're building some momentum, but like, it was just a meet that we, like, I, I think we're at a point in our, uh, you know, coach client relationship where we kind of have to make meets count Oh yeah, and we have sure. to compete with purpose. Right. Um, really the it came down to I would regret not competing at the Virginia Pro. Yeah. I would just regret not doing it. It was something that I really wanted to do, and I still and I don't regret it still. Right. Like even after you know it was a down it was a down performance, I don't regret competing because right. uh, it was just such a special moment in my powerlifting career. But um, like competitions going forward, it's like we have to have a reason to compete. Like we have to put 
if it's like a very similar ultimate uh, ultimate warrior people will be like well that wasn't no no that was a very important meet for us because we were competing with a purpose of very similar to what noriega did recently yeah nine for nine day eight seventeen he just wanted to get some uh platform practice yeah. and also move some second attempts and see if, if his second attempts could be eight seventeen. that was very similar to what we did at ultimate warrior like yeah. Put a cap, and if we could put a cap on 800, we can possibly push up until 815, 820 at Nationals. Yeah. So that was competing with a purpose, too. Yeah. It was it was a good thing to do for us. And um, I think going forward, I, I just can't take a meet like just to take it. Yeah. Just because. Uh, the and uh, if Correct me if I'm wrong, but had you had you not done the Virginia Pro, would you have been given your Pro card? Yes. Okay. Because we got top three at uh, – Okay. At, at nationals, but I mean, we were—you're kind of on the fringes there, and we again, we didn't even know what the fuck pro cards were when we decided. <laughs> like, right? We didn't know we didn't know this would become a thing yeah. uh, when we <clears throat> when we decided to do the Virginia Pro when we signed up. We didn't know what was lying for us. Again, we were, and also I was just thinking that we could just kind of coast into the meet and like not take it too seriously. Yeah. And then people dropped down, like maybe we should take it seriously because there's some money at, uh, at stake here. But, you know, there was no weight class battle there. Um, yeah. It was just uh, kind of a, a a third meet that I typically don't take. Yeah. And even though I think we're going to have to get used to competing three times a year, um, it's just, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the best time meet for us. Yeah. I, and I, and I agree, man. I, I think that, you know, the, the thing that sucks about a rushed prep, like I, I know that there are some people out there that like six weeks is like six to eight weeks. That's all their prep is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe like that just might speak to the way that I, I program, but I don't know. I think I, usually like 12 weeks is I, I think a good solid prep for a meet. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit less depending on the person, but having that flexibility to be able to kind of you know, get used to what you're doing to actually like uh, accumulate a little bit and, you know, have a sort of uh, understanding of, of how your body is currently interacting with your own training. I don't know if six weeks is, is always the best for, for something mm-hmm. like that, particularly for you who we've always kind of traditionally done those longer preps. Yeah. Um, and I think as you become a more advanced lifter, you almost need longer preps because for one, your body just cannot sustain longer periods of intensity. Um, you know, you just are, you're stronger. So you get beat up quicker. Um, so you need to, you know, work up and into that a little bit more, but beyond that, like in order to make progress, your body just needs more time to adapt. Right. So, um, I, I think that that's something that I think that's a lesson that we can take away overall and just kind of say like, you know, if we don't have a, a long enough period of time, it's either we decide, okay, this is literally just we're going to do this for fun and we'll put a cap on this, or we don't do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I agree with that, and uh, that was, uh, I guess, a lesson learned um, in that too. And I, again, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, we did we did save ourselves that last deadlift because sure. I, if I if I didn't get that last, I'd be having a totally different tone in my voice. We did, you know. Uh, 800, uh, 800 total. Um, again, that was a huge milestone for us going into 2021 and we were able to do it three times. Yeah. So that was, we have only totaled 800 in 2021 and that was a big goal. And also it's a funny thing, uh, cause we'll get to like our goals going into, I mean, 2022 as well, cause that'll be the first meet is the Arnold, which it, it's a, it's a good way to start off your 2022 or your year. Cause that's where it typically is, is in that first, uh, three months. Yeah. But like looking at 
2021 as a whole, just our relationship as a coach client, you are only as good as your last meet. And it's funny if I would have just not taken the Virginia pro people are saying a whole, we're having a whole different true mood about my year because it was easily not even close. The most successful year of powerlifting I've ever had. And it was much better than our first year, uh, coaching and our, uh, our, with our relationship. And our first year was incredible. Like you got me to being a top 10 lifter and I was outside of that and actually legit top five lifter in one year. Yeah. And we put like 50 pounds or 50 kilos on our total, went from, you know, a, a 7.30 to, you know, possibly to 7. Uh, we totaled 7.77 in Midwest primetime, but I think we could have got 7.85-ish if we would have just put in a regular third attempt. Yeah. Because um, we reached for the uh, all-time world record at the end. And then the following year was even better. Like yeah. we put more, we put uh, a lot of kilos on the total. We improved in lifts and we got top three at nationals. Big goal for us, for us, perennial top five. Told 800 was the first goal. Actually got, tied the all-time <laughs> lift world record. Yeah. Um, which is slowly becoming not a goal of mine that I think about constantly, but it's just, it's the deadlift records there so I can pull into position and you miss two benches, and then all of a sudden you're like having this feeling where it could. If I had just not taken the meat, we would have just been in a completely different mindset going forward. It's a very strange thing how that works. Yeah, and you know, the, and, the, and the thing, the thing that I'll, I'll say here, man, is I'm I'm certainly like obviously as your coach, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat myself up when when things go go poorly. It's it's just sort of my my job. I like I I need to be able to say to myself objectively, what can I do better to make you better, mm-hmm. but from the standpoint of like stepping outside of that, no matter how good of a power lifter you are, you are going to have down meets. Yep. Right. Talked about that with Jamal Brown recently too. Just like it's, it happens. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, uh, you know, as awesome as the Virginia pro was, I, if there was ever a meet to really have like a, a like an eye opening experience as far as a down meet goes, that's probably like a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Right. Because at the end of the day, the consequences aren't large. Yeah. So I, I think that being able to kind of take that lesson and go forward and, and be like oddly motivated by that, I think is, is it's good to come from that place, yeah. you know, to being able to say like, I, I need to make these changes and I need to, to do this better. Um, and again, for me as a, as a coach, it, it allows me to kind of look and say like, okay, you know what? We, we now know he needs longer preps. We need to address this, this, and this. It, it, at the end of the day, like if we just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over and you just constantly have success, like, like, yeah, that's great and all, but then like, it, it's going to make it that much harder to pivot when you inevitably do have that. So mm-hmm. I, I would rather, you know, learn this now and, and be able to make the adjustments and, and talk about these things and just allow for continual progress. And, and that's ultimately what we're getting out of that. Yeah. Sure. You know, having, having something go poorly is never what you want, but at the end of the day, if it means allowing to like build yourself back even to a higher standard, then you know it, it's at least good to get something out of it that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was good as far as uh, that goes. And now on to our current prep because uh, we got we assessed that data and going into the Arnold, which very very excited the Arnold's one like happening. Uh, it's been a really long time since we got to see the Arnold in its full capacity, and this will be the second time we do the Arnold and. That was circled, I think, on the calendar for a long time. Was the Arnold? Uh, 
and now we should get again get used to and practice competing in March, right. and then possibly June again, right. and then maybe one more uh, in the middle and at the end of the year there. Um, so, what changes have you made uh, with the programming? So, the biggest one going into this prep for the Arnold is I am kind of being like like I mentioned before, I'm being overall a little bit more aggressive on your. Uh, your back down sets compared to what we've done previously. Mm-hmm. Um, not not so much in, in a way that it's going to beat you up, but more so that I'm I'm looking for you to kind of match some of your all time bests and then hopefully exceed them. Um, because I do think that that's something. You know, we've been a little bit top set driven. Yeah. You know the the way that we've and at the end of the day, top sets at least from a coaching perspective, and I know a lot of lifters out there don't necessarily look at top sets this way, but they're a little bit more for practice and for kind of kind of just seeing how strong you are on the day mm-hmm. um, and a lot of lifters approach that is is just like okay these have to be you know super linearly increasing from week to week these you know and I should ultimately be hitting like you know this huge PR and it's just like like yeah of course you you want to get to that point but if you're constantly only ever pushing the top sets and the the back downs don't you know continue to get better over time you're probably doing something wrong yeah so the way that I have you set up, and for those of you that haven't listened to this particular series on Two White Lights before, um, with Angelo, I try to give him ranges for his competition lifts to pick from and, and an RP that's assigned. So I'm kind of being a little bit more aggressive on some of the back down ranges right now in terms of his choice of, of range. Um, and again, it's you know within a reasonable amount for the RP that I, I give him. Um, and it's going to be our goal to kind of, at least over time, uh, exceed his best in some of those ranges. So, like, for example, uh, if we're talking, like, squat, I want to get you to exceed that best set of uh, four and or five over the course of this last push to the Arnold. Mm-hmm. So your best set of four is, uh, or, excuse me, best set of fours for multiples is, like, 265, and your best four fives, I believe, is around two, 240 to 250. Um, so we're going to try to try to push both of those over time. Um, we also, on your, as far as like the setup goes, we were kind of talking back and forth on this. Currently I have you taking SSB as your Monday, mm-hmm. um, but I do have you doing a second low bar day. Um, and we're, we're kind of going back and forth on this prior to the podcast, like off, off, uh, off mic. Um, you and I are, are kind of thinking that it might be better for your secondary or excuse me, your tertiary day, the, the middle day, your sort of recovery day, uh, to be SSB, whereas our current setup has SSB being the Monday and then your light sort of recovery day is a low bar day. So my rationale there was that's the the sort of most frequency I can give him where it's not going to beat his elbows up, but um, it's also the the tertiary day being the low bar day, that's like the least work on your elbows and therefore you, know, you should recover a little bit better. You also have a day off um, after that day and then you do your primary bench day. So I was thinking that that might be enough recovery for you. But I can understand your rationale where we might want to switch those two up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that if we if we do switch that up going into like next week and until the Arnold, I think that that might also help you um, maybe go for some, some like small PRs as far as like a triple goes because you have a triple on Monday as your top set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that maybe having some confidence from that going into your primary day where you have the single might make it a little bit easier. Like we already mentioned, your best triple on low bar is 275. Yeah. 
So if we can if we can get close to that or even you know exceed it, which I think is doable based on what you've done so far, yeah. you know that might give you a little bit more confidence. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is just making sure that we're balancing, um, pushing that while also prioritizing the recovery of your upper body yeah. from those squats. Um, so that's that's kind of the approach there, and the the biggest change is that. Uh, the the volume is kind of kind of toned back just a little bit in terms of the overall percentage that you're taking on the drop sets, um, and the the actual like RPEs that we're going to be taking uh, aren't going to be quite as intense through the full six weeks. It'll kind of ramp up a little bit slower in comparison, uh, just because again your body needs a little bit more time to adapt, and that way you won't be as beat up. Now bench press, which I think is what everybody wants to hear the most about the biggest change Which is funny by the way yeah i know like, right? uh, like that's uh, that's how we go that's actually how we've uh, became good power lifters though right yeah. like uh we've gotten so good at squat and deadlift where people are like okay if he just figures out that bench he could possibly give uh delaney nori and russ a real run for the money in nationals but it's only until the bench is figured out yeah no yeah believe me i i've been racking my brain about this too um so there i'll start off uh number one with the um, mechanics. Uh, so I'll, I'll speak a little bit on the, the squat here because, again, we, we talked about this. The upper body is kind of affecting that. Um, we're making sure technique-wise on the squat that we are a little bit more even. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the kind of person that acutely is like, you know, form is instantly going to hurt you. But I would imagine that over time, you know, if you accumulate things and just don't have the best of form, I could see certain tissues being a little bit more overused. And obviously, that's kind of where we've gotten to with with like the distal bicep pain on the one side, uh, as well as that quad pinching. So I had a chance to assess Angelo in person uh, with the help of uh, my general manager at game day, who is an athletic trainer. And and we had the chance to really take a look and see like what was going on. Uh, And something that we kind of determined is that Angelo has been having an issue where the bar is just super uneven on his back. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result of that, you know, it's just been beating up your upper body a ton. So I think, you know, just with prioritizing um, that the technical changes that we've talked about that are going to help you keep it a little bit more, you know, even on your back, um, as well as just kind of prioritizing those like smaller muscle groups that will help you stay a little bit more even, you know, having having enough internal rotation on that side, um, you know, strengthening the, the tibia, just different things like that so that you're able to get into a position without really beating up that tissue um, is going to, to help a, a lot. Um, so that's ironically something that's important to bench press is it's because it won't beat up your upper body and also your lower body, but because it won't beat up your upper body as much, that's already going to help. And I think maybe it, maybe it's a little early to assume that, but I, I think that's been showing mm-hmm. as of late. Um, now the other thing, and this is this is kind of the most important. We touched on this just a little bit. Is the actual mechanics of your bench press? Yeah. So we talked about the fact that 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 sort of wide grip flared position uh, has really just not been allowing you to use your pecs. And I, you know, you don't have small pecs. They, mm-hmm. you know, they're um, definitely like not lacking in muscle mass. So we want to use them. So we again just assessing you in person. Couple of main changes. Number one is is just allowing him uh, a position that kind of mirrors scapulohumeral rhythm, which is just basically a fancy term that it, your, your bench just naturally matches the, the natural, like, protraction and retraction of, of what the scaps do in a press. Um, and then the second thing is getting you in a position where you can use leg drive a little bit more optimally. Mm-hmm. Um, so before you've 
kind of had this like slightly more tucked position and that sort of feels tight sure but i would say for for the majority of lifters like just because you get into a position of hip extension doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually tight it doesn't mean that you're actually driving hard into the floor with your legs and able to transfer it you know up the kinetic chain so we've moved your foot position a little bit gotten you in a position where you can actually you know use your legs to put yourself on your traps a little bit more um and that therefore allows you to kind of you know like we talked about use that that sort of rhythm when it comes to the the scaps the cue that i've given him is is kind of like i'm getting him to raise his chest towards the bar compared to just moving his arms mm-hmm. uh, and then the last one which we kind of concluded only after trying that cue out uh was using a more narrow grip yeah so that one i think is going to be the big one because it's going to allow him to use his pecs a little bit more keep his arms in a position where he actually is like placing some stretch on the pec whereas before with his arms being out in this guillotine position, he's not really stretching the pec as much, and therefore it's just not involved as much in the press. Whereas now, with that closer position, it's going to allow his pec to actually fully you know, stretch and be a part of contributing to the movement. So all of those things together are, are kind of our big like mechanical changes. And yeah, that admittedly as a coach, like I think, I think to myself, like this is a lot of changes at once, mm-hmm. right? But we've been practicing it for long enough where I think that it's only going to pay dividends now now that we've had like actual time to accumulate with it different things like that um then as far as the programming goes i would say the biggest change that i've made besides just making sure that the majority of your training is happening in these sort of moderate rep ranges which have traditionally worked the best um your intensity on your bench press is actually up Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've noticed this yeah um the the main reason behind that is i think that we number one uh, just come into some of our workouts almost a little bit, uh, not necessarily recovered as what recovered probably isn't the word that I would use, but you just, the, the weight that you're touching just isn't heavy enough. So mm-hmm. the, the pattern just doesn't feel quite right. Um, so the, the biggest change is his sort of, sort of secondary bench day that happens on Tuesdays. He's got some uh, ascending sets that are uh, at a given percentage of his one rep max. And he's essentially trying to find an eight RP um, so they're doubles for, for this block. They were triples for the previous one. Um, and then once he finds that, so he's going up by two and a half kilo increments, uh, has a, a limited number of sets, any sets that are left, he drops 5% off of that. So it's, it's all, you know, relatively intense overall, but the weight itself that you're touching, um, isn't like too taxing. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's kind of the key and sort of the theme with your training right now is that, um, the, overall weight that you're touching is is a little bit higher in terms of percentage of your 1RM, but on certain days it's not beating you up as much, whereas before it was just, you know, frankly too light. And that's that's kind of the biggest change. We also moved your primary bench day uh, back compared to what we were doing for the VA Pro. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit closer to the end of the week, which we had traditionally done before, but again, like just based on how far or how, how quickly we had to shift into pro uh, prep, we didn't really... Uh, move that around as much in the microcycle, so that's that's kind of the big thing. Um, I also have you doing uh, a little bit more pause work than you were doing previously, just so that you can kind of feel that. And honestly, your estimated one RM, which again, obviously estimated one RM isn't like the biggest deal in the world because uh, it's an estimation. But seeing that go up over time is something that, as a coach, you know you want to see. Um, we saw a big jump this week in comparison to what we've seen over the course of the last few weeks. Like, it's, I think it's up, what is it, like, 
this week compared to last. Like, yeah, it's it's up about 10 keys compared to, like, this time in prep mm-hmm. last yeah. one. So I, I think we're seeing good stuff there. And I think as we accumulate more volume in those sort of good intensities, which, you know, for the majority of power lifters, like, somewhere in the range of, like, 75 to 85% is where most of your training volume lives. Um, so as we accumulate more in that range, I think we'll continue to see big, big changes when it comes to your, your bench. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And uh, also, I mean, just practicing those new cues out and that kind of the setup too. Yeah. That was another thing we changed as a setup. Um, cause I thought we were getting out of position just a bit there, uh, when we were, um, getting ourselves uh, kind of get that arch going when I was getting my arch. Uh, I think the new way is working. I think there's a lot of practice to be done. And I think it, right now is just like practice is practicing the movements, uh, getting used to the programming and, Really, I think we've been we've done so much with bench, like and so many different things. I think I'm comfortable with everything that you're throwing at me. It's just uh, the execution part, because I mean, think up to Midwest Prime Time, we were doing, or not Midwest Prime Time, Ultimate Warrior, we were doing like five times a week. Then yeah. we're doing six times a week uh, at portions of nationals too. Yeah. So dialing it back, you know, like I, like if I could do six times a week on bench, like any sort of intensity like that's being thrown at me, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. Yeah. The, so just just to to chat about that because we, we t- I think we talked about that on our our, yeah. our post nationals one, but just just to mention, I think the the reason why four is kind of the sweet spot for you is is exactly what I mentioned before, where you're not exactly that lifter that has this like insane level of of like biomechanically advantaged leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I if I were to to kind of keep you in this this level of intensity, but up it to even five times a week, I would imagine that that would probably start to beat you up to a point that you wouldn't be recovered. Okay. So that's that's kind of the reasoning for that. Okay. Um, and then moving on to, to deadlift, I think this is probably the closest to anything that we've really done before. So, again, just a similar thing that we're looking for as far as um, we started off the, the prep with pause deadlifts, which traditionally have, have been, you know, pretty good for us. Um, so looking, looking back on that, we, like, during some of our best, um, like, preps overall for, for deadlift. That's kind of what we had started off with. Um, so you did pretty well over the course of the the uh, block with that so far. I'm, I'm pretty proud with uh, what we ended with. Um, having a having a 240 pause deadlift at a, a 7, like, that's, that's actually, believe it or not, that's, I think, pretty darn close to what you've done all time. Um, and having that under the fatigue of a squat, I think is a really, really good sign just based on the stuff that we've talked about before. Um, so the big, the big goal over the course of this particular block leading up to the Arnold is to now transition your back offs into normal comp deads, uh, and to really push those. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to, like you did 260 this past, like, uh, primary deadlift day as your sort of top rep set, uh, after the single, um, I'd really like to see those, you know, come as close as we can get to, to 300 as possible. Yeah. Um, you're, believe it or not, like I was, I was looking back and your, your best set of fives, uh, is, is actually nowhere near that. So I think if we can push Wait, for, that, for deadlifts for your best set of fives is, is like not quite 300. Yes, it is. I, I was doing back offs, like something crazy. Mm. I was doing like 304, I think 305 for triples. I don't know. No, about fives. For, fives. for fives. What block was that? Prior to Nationals, I think the day that I hit 753 weeks out from Nationals, we had a back off of like 660 for five. Hmm. And uh, I think at a Wait, point wasn't, we were... wasn't that the one that was like a 10, though? Oh, no, all of them were 10. That okay. was the thing, though. They were, like, they were all like, 
we were hit. That was that was actually when I look back on those. That was some insane shit we were doing, and no one believed that I was doing it too. Yeah. Like when I talked to people, like you're doing four sets of five of six fifty. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. And then actually, well, there was a there was a threshold. Right, three hundreds was turning into RP tens. Six fifty, like for four sets of five, was actually was moving pretty well. Like I was in a pretty good uh, groove with that. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm not talking about like the full on RP tens. That's not what like. Oh yeah. Your, I'm talking your all time bests for like the RPs that were. Used. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If I can RP, yeah. If I could, three hundred RP seven for multiple sets too. That's another thing. Is like maybe that first set we can get in like a, a few reps in reserve, but like towards that fourth set, I was yeah. just fuck. I was running on fumes. Yeah, and that's 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 kind of a because we looking back on that like we were we were doing straight sets and and. I think that's if we were to do that now, it would it would just kill you, and, and mm. that's not what I want. So I, I I want like I want to push as close as we can get to three hundred with like the the back offs being like a reasonable RP. That's yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, I was yeah because I was, yeah, like, I was I'm like we definitely did because that was like actually some of the parts I'm like the most proud of. Right. Well, I mean, you brought up the point about the top sets it being uh, practice. Like, yeah, that's what it is because. When I get out of the gym, I'm not feeling the top sets when I'm driving home. I'm feeling the back offsets. Right, like, that's right. what I'm feeling. Like, today, if I just came into the gym, hit my top single, and then some real bullshit back offsets, nothing would happen. Like, yeah. our, I mean, I would feel whatever. But, like, today, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing it, and we're always pushing it, and the back offsets are the real workouts. It's like, that's the thing I... <laughs> don't look forward to yeah. is the amount of volume we have on those back offs. So I just remember those hellacious deadlift workouts, like actually pulling seven, like 60 and being like, fuck. Yeah. I got to hit back offsets now. Like that was the easy part of my workout was seven sixty. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, that's uh, again, the approach with, with, uh, with all of your lifts, but I think with the two lower body lifts, especially that's kind of how we, we need to be just not to the point of, like I I, I want to see three hundred on the bar for for that set, just not at a ten. Yeah, that's that's the big one. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I really want to see like all time levels at that, and um, I you know I have I have all of your previous like stuff in front of me, so I can kind of say like okay, this is this is where we were with this. Just have to make sure that uh, along the line we're just doing our best to to tack on a little bit more on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that and that's reflected in like the ranges that I have programmed for you. Yeah. Um, and then the other the other big thing is we we really um, are going back in on the high rep deadlifts on your secondary day. Um, that was something that we had kind of kind of moved away from and then brought brought back in like very 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 end of prep for the VA pro. That is something that I completely forgot to mention. But what the problem with that was is that it was it was becoming a little bit too difficult. Yeah. You know. Um, so what whereas I'm yeah, you know, kind of, kind of trying to push that primary day a little bit more. Um, this secondary day, we're, I, I'm trying to keep it a little bit more even keeled as far as the progression goes. Obviously, we still want to see the secondary day go up over time, um, but the, a secondary, or in some cases, tertiary day, depending on the the lift, uh, particularly for the lower body, is meant to be a little bit more of a like you know you recover and practice than necessarily something that you push super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so the progression scheme that I had had for nationals for your high rep deadlifts was essentially like we were, uh, using a percentage of your one RM and then kind of like trickling off the amount that we added each week. 
Um, and because we added those in so late to the, the VA Pro, I don't think that they had quite the same effect as a result. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of back to that now. And I, I would say I think that they are contributing a little bit better this go around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that's kind of the approach there is, is again, just the big thing is we, we want to be setting those, those back offs. We want to be setting some all times as far as like your ability to lift a certain weight within the RPE range. Um, and again, just making sure that the uh, high rep deadlifts are contributing but not killing you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So that's our that's our look at things as far as the comp lifts go. Uh, and then the uh, actual accessory work, the big thing, the big difference right now is obviously you're in a different place. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're here in Texas. You, you train here at Project Strength. Um, so our, our selection of accessory work is, is quite different. Uh, and our goal, as far as accessory work goes, is, is kind of, uh, one, what it's always been, which is, you know, just trying to get you more jacked, I think, if you're a power lifter who skips their accessories uh, or if you're a coach who like is okay with your client skipping accessories, uh, you're setting themselves uh, or you're setting yourself or that client up in the long term for making less progress. Cause the yeah. less, less jacked you are, the less you're going to be able to move weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing, and this is kind of a new thing for not only for you, but it's something that I've kind of changed my mind about as a coach over the course of you know the last year or so. Um, I look at accessory work also as a means of preventing injury yeah um so again like we talked a lot about your distal bicep tendon um you know i am having you do a lot of curling now compared Mm -hmm. to what we were doing before and that's not just because you know i want your arms to look jacked which you know i do who who doesn't want their clients Mm -hmm. to look like they lift uh but the the big thing is i i want the tendons that are attached to that bicep to be stronger and that's you know one of the ways in which you do it And, and i'm not just having him you know, do any old bicep curl. I have him doing bicep curls in, in different positions, like a one where he can do the, the curl from uh, where his bicep is, is fully shortened, one where he's doing it fully lengthened. Just every possible position that his bicep can be in where we're getting the most out of all of those lifts. And, and yeah. that's kind of how I'm trying to approach all of your accessory work now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, just doing it in such a way that, you know, we, we kind of look at every, every biomechanically um, advantageous position that we can put each muscle in and, and make sure that it's going through every shortened and lengthened position uh, that could it could potentially be in in order to, one, make you as jacked as possible, but also make those muscles and the tendons attached to them as resilient as possible. Yeah, for sure. And I also think just throughout us working together, the accessories has been the unseen thing that has been major, major key in uh, our progress. Mm-hmm. And, like... People, I mean, again, like, they don't see that work. They don't see the accessory work. They don't see the programming that goes in. And it's not it's, it's not super, super complex, the accessories, obviously. Um, just a story yesterday. Somebody asked me, like, what I do for my legs. Mm-hmm. Like, in a bodybuilder-type question. Ah, okay. And, like, that's, like, what do I do? I'm like, I, I squat. Like, I, I squat. Like, I think that's that's a big reason why my legs are big is, like, Wait, that's all you do? I'm like, no, I do accessories, but it's not like I'm doing accessories to make my legs look bigger. It's to make them stronger so I can transition them to squat. And, like, again, people ask those questions because they are, and like, it, in that sense, it's kind of vanilla. But it's uh, the accessories, there's a point to them, and it's to make me better at powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, like, the more muscle you have, the better you are at powerlifting. But that's just so many, that's, that's the questions I get a lot of that people are like, do you do accessories? 
Yeah. Do you do it as a just squat bench deadlift? I'm like, no, guys, I'm not filming all of my accessories because I'm not doing that. Like, I don't, I refuse to do it because it's just too many, too much filming. Because we do a lot of accessories. We do a lot of different accessories that don't yield a good camera angle. True. We do a lot of accessories that just really I don't want to record because they're, you know, it's it's a pretty, it's, I'm not going to record all, all my sets of bicep curls. Right. You know, and, uh, and dumbbell bench and uh, incline bench. Like, all these things that we're doing, it's just... Uh, but I still have seen like the massive going back. I just what I looked, how I looked where we started, which I was a put together person. For you sure. know, I had a history of weightlifting and uh, and did a lot of bodybuilding movements prior to getting in powerlifting. You know, PH three is it is it is a program where you are doing a lot of accessories to make you yourself look good yeah. and put on a lot of muscle. So after that, I looked at I'm like it's just a lot more size and a lot more definition and. Um, I think since getting coached by you, I think the comments of like your arms are huge or your chest is big or your back is getting like, what do you do for this has been increasing, uh, substantially. So that's, that's the unseen work that we are doing is the accessories. And also like actually asking you questions about accessories too. For sure. And trying to get in the best position to, or like trying to find variations, of a certain thing you program because we can't find the equipment. Like that's something yeah. we work on quite hard. And I think that's something that I've learned throughout us working together too, is like that, that in a lot of ways is more difficult than my actual workouts because you're, we're actually going to close to failure on accessories yeah. too. Yeah. And that, that's, that's something, I mean, I don't think I'm the only coach that, that does this, but at least like a, a lot of people, you know, when they're talking to me about coaching, let's say they're like interested in working with me, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, well, how do you, how do you program? And I mean, the honest answer is like every athlete is a little bit different, but I would say like the one hallmark of the way that I approach a lot of lifters training is I want the majority of the power lift work to be less difficult uh, than the accessories. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going heavy, you know, you're, you're touching heavier weight, but um, especially in, to be fair, I would say that's been been influenced by my own coach, uh, Zach Robinson from Data Driven Strength. But like they they do, um, they have a lot of great stuff on like proximity to failure and uh, how you know when you're under a certain number of reps, the proximity to failure doesn't have to be you know huge. Like you don't have to be taking RPE eight stuff all the time as long as the actual percentage of one RM that's on the bar is sufficient. Yeah. Um, so that that's uh, uh, there's not a lot of like hallmarks of, of the way that I approach every athlete's training. But I would say like, that's probably one of the pillars that I use when it comes to programming. Um, is it, you know, because you can adapt with lower proximity to failure when it comes to the power lifts, we should then push the accessories a little bit harder because that's going to allow you to grow. Like there's, there's more data showing that generally speaking, you know, you're probably going to need to push accessory work a little bit harder in terms of the proximity to failure. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something that I think, if, if there's one lesson I can give to any coach that's listening out there that, that wants to, you know, be a better programmer, I would say that that's a, a good way to think about it is, is you really like need to encourage your athletes to do accessory work. And, and, you know, as long as they're managing their time and their session time isn't, you know, crazy, uh, then yeah, program them more accessory work because honestly, they're not only going to be more jacked for it, they're probably going to be more resilient. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's no secret. I mean, we said it on coach con- client confidential a lot of times, uh, like the powerlifters that we see who are great are jacked. Yes. They all have a lot of muscle in their body, like every single one. Um, 
like uh, and also like the ones who don't who don't have the upper body, they have the lower body. Like like Noriega is one of like the, my favorite examples of it. Like his lower body is so fucking ridiculous. Right. It's and seeing it in person too. It's like one thing to like have the pictures, you know, on Instagram being posted, like you know the filters yeah. and like uh, the potential lighting and all the poses. He, it's like it's constant. Like I see his legs, like what the fuck, man? It's like it's crazy. Like it's so goddamn strong. We call that the uh, the Mewtwo physique on uh, yeah. on the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, you, know, you look at other. I mean, even Taylor Atwood, he's jacked. Oh like, yeah, people crazy. don't like he doesn't see because he doesn't really show. He doesn't you know take a bunch of shirtless pictures. Uh, wears kind of like regular fitting clothing, but he's he's a jacked human being. So um, that's. Uh, Anyone getting that lesson today is uh, you heard you heard it here on two white lights. You okay. got to hit your accessories, put on some muscle, and you're going to be a better power lifter. And uh, there's evidence out there across the weight classes and and the genders. Like, uh, I, yeah, look at uh, look at Jesus for example. Like, yeah, he's, you're the most put together super heavyweight. Exactly. He's he's a super, but he's just insanely jacked, mm-hmm. ridiculously so. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Yeah, the female weight classes too. Yeah, like there's, they all look like they lift a lot of weight. Yeah, like all of them look like they are the strongest. So, um, we have that now. Uh, you want to end it up with uh, the goals, correct, or set some goals, or? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think we kind of already already talked about it, but I think that the the biggest thing over the course of this, the the way that, and you you can't see this right now because I haven't laid this out. That's another thing that I've kind of changed recently is I I program things on like a week-by-week basis rather than just kind of laying the block out ahead of time and making small changes. Um, The goal of this is going to be, generally speaking, to kind of progress through those rep ranges that have been best for you and just doing so in such a way that we can kind of hit, you know, multiple bests over the course of this this last push-up to the Arnold. So, Mm -hmm. like, for example... Um, you know, on deads, you know, we're, we're doing fives currently on the back offs. So I want to, you know, kind of push the back offs on that. You know, I, I want you to hit like a best, you know, set of, of five at that given RP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we'll go to fours and, and probably triples because that's like looking back at our best deadlift prep. That's kind of what that's been for your back offs. So the goal is to kind of, you know, as the RP is kind of climbing over the course of that, uh, I want us to hit bests on all of that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of number one as far as our overall goals, you know, on, on all of the lifts. That's what I want to see. Um, and then in terms of your top sets, I, I want to see a uh, for squat. I want to if we're going to make that change to low bar, I want to see a, a a best triple. So either something where we move two seventy five at a lighter RPE, mm-hmm. or we do a triple that's you know maybe a heavier RPE than what it was previous or we just do more weight than 275 for a triple. Yeah. Um and I would like to see you at, at the very least uh tie your best squat at a slightly lower RPE over the course of this block. So for the for the actual like single that mm-hmm. would be that would be what I would want to see. Um for deads I'm a little bit less inclined to say we need to push that super duper hard because we've kind of discussed this previously now you know that we know you get a little bit more out of the taper. Um, but I, I'd like to get you as close to your best pull in the gym as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the big one, and then the same same level of progression uh, through um, through all of those different rep ranges. So just kind of setting bests on at all the different RPEs, um, which again, you know, as long as you're within that range that I program, you'll be doing that. Yeah. Um, and then the the big thing, honestly, for uh, bench, if we can if we can just hit what you've done. You know, previously in the gym, yeah. I'll be, if we if we hit one seventy, then we just put five kilos on our total. Yeah, I'll be I'll be damn happy yeah. at that point, and, and that then that tells me that we're progressing in the right way. And, and honestly, honestly, 
with what you've done so far this block, I, I think that we're, we're already showing signs of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we were able to do for like a triple last week was really, really good. Uh, you, you moved 142, which honestly was like a difficult number for you in the lead up to the VA yeah. pro. You, you moved it quite easily. I, I, I mean, obviously your, it's your rating of perceived exertion, not mine, but I don't know, looking at like comparing it to some of your sets that you've done with, with around that range, I think maybe you, you might've, might've ticked that up just a little bit compared to like just because you're feeling a little bit iffy on bench right now as far as the RPE goes. But, like, if you compare the bar speed to yeah. some of the stuff that you've done, I, I would say bar speed-wise it looks lighter than what you rated it. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said previously, our estimated 1RM is, is ticking up nicely. It was, it was like, in the 150s for a little while, yeah. and now it's, now it's you know, getting closer to 170. So, it, yeah, our big goal, big goal is to be able to touch um, 170 for at least, at least one single on that. Um, and then... Yeah, we, we kind of already went over, like, the best top sets. And then the last one, and this is the most important goal, is just keeping your arm and your quad pinching as healthy as possible. Yeah. That's that's the big one. Um, so there's there's some additional work that uh, we've gone over together in person as far as, like, keeping things healthy. Uh, Andrew, my athletic trainer friend, uh, he's obviously helped you out there. Uh, he actually <laughs> – he, he was uh, begging me to come to – come here today just so he could work on you again mm-hmm. he just he just loves doing his, his manual therapy stuff um and uh just yeah just doing everything that we need to do to, to keep you as healthy as possible so there's there's a bunch of drills that we do that we know kind of minimizes your pain going into training uh and then just doing doing that work on those smaller muscle groups just to make sure that we're keeping both of those things healthy yeah for sure yeah and i was that's what i was expecting throughout that so very excited to get going on that. I mean, we're already in the thick of things and we have uh, six weeks left to the Arnold mm-hmm. and uh, at the looks of it right now, I don't know how the thing's working. I think we're uh, Grand Prix stage. Based oh, on top, really? I think so. Cause I top five male and females. And I think I'm the fourth ranked uh, male who signed up. Shoot. So Ashton Ruska, Austin Perkins, Dennis Cornelius, me, and then Deuce Gruden. Oh, all right. So I think I mean that's what I think, and then the single play guys as well on the uh, Grand Prix stage. But I I, I haven't that. got that's I did not fun. have it, but I did not have a specific confirmation on it though. Okay, that's the thing I'm like waiting on is like okay, is it actually happening? Because that was another one of those things in powerlifting where it's like, do you take this meet at the Arnold? Do you hold out to the Nationals? Like, well, I never compete at the Grand Prix, and that's right. been a massive goal. That would be an accomplished goal in my powerlifting career. I had it on when I'm like. When I saw the Grand Prix, that's something I put down on my uh, my goals in my career. Compete at the Grand Prix once. So if I am able to compete at that stage, that first squat hits, then I accomplished one of my big goals in powerlifting. And that was that was back in 2018. I said that to myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming assuming you've seen what it's like in the main mm-hmm. the main expo. Well, that's what that's what got me. I because I remember going to because that was I wasn't in the USAPL. I was think I was like. Okay, Nationals is in Lombard. Looks like the USAPL is the move. So then I uh, I went to the C-Pod, the famous C-Pod, right, right. Uh, to go just watch some of the things. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And, you know, I'm having a good time watching this stuff, and, you know, a lot of a lot of lifters were there. And then, um, you know, I ventured out to the expo, and I saw the main stage, and I'm like, like what what is this? And, it was, and then my friend told me, like, this is the Bench Pro that was happening. I got there... Right when TD Smash proposed to his now wife. Oh, really? Yeah, that was so. I got there right when it happened. It was. It was. I'm like, I didn't. I. I don't even think I saw like lifts. I just saw that. I'm like, that's really awesome. 
But then I just kept looking at it, and I'm like, holy fuck, look at all these people, and look at all the stages they got, or the stage they have for it. And then also, he told me, like, the Grand Prix, and that's like, like, you're the shit if you do the Grand Prix. That's what he told me. He's like, you're the shit if you could do the Grand Prix. Amanda Lawrence is doing it. Marissa Inda's doing it. And I'm like... Okay, that's that's what I want to do. I'm like, if I if like that's this main stage of the Arnold, and that's kind of the the kind of the attraction. That's something I've always wanted to do. And also, even when I got into the USAPL, when I saw the Grand Prix like roster, it was Ashton Ruska, Michael C, David Ricks. Yeah, you know, like those guys. I'm like, pff, like those those were like top in my mind. And now, like we're we're there like competing with them. So yeah. that was that was a massive goal for me in powerlifting was to one day get into the Grand Prix as a lifter. And uh, if I am able to, because I don't, I don't know what they're doing with it. Like I'm just kind of confused still. Like I don't want to say like I'm doing a Grand Prix and then not do it right. and let myself down from it. Even and also the C pod would be fantastic. If you could, oh like, yeah, the C pod's amazing. It's actually the best thing for the competition too. The venue's insane. Yeah, the, the C pod is awesome. It's legendary. Ray Williams had that squat there. Oh, so that was cool. and that was the that was like the um, and that was my favorite meet. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, when we started. Uh, our relationship uh, when you started coaching me, yeah, Warming like I will never, I will never, yeah, I will never forget, you know, that 2020 Arnold, um, primarily because it was shut down, but yeah. <laughs> it was it was canceled almost, and uh, yeah. we were the only ones there. You you technically haven't had like the actual Arnold experience, well, exactly, yet, because it was I'm, two platforms. Yeah, it was two platforms, and also just like no one was there aside from your your competition and maybe a few family friends and. Now that we we are two years from that, the whole COVID scare, it was the funniest thing ever. Just realizing like how fucking off we were. I know, like, right? Do, like enforcing things, like we're gonna put a line so no one goes in, and then people are just standing behind the line. Like, okay, like we can still view the fucking thing. Why can't we just go in where the seats are? Yeah, and then the seats were all filled with other competitors who were lifting. We were just way off on, like, what should be done to just cancel the whole... I think I mean, the large gathering things they canceled was one of the right moves they made, but it was very funny looking back on that. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it was just such a special meet. We, that was, like, my coming out party where we went 9 for 9, mm-hmm. put a 70-75 total on board, got into the top 10, looked like I was top 5, set the all-time deadlift world record. It was such a special meet for me over there, and uh, getting back to the Arnold is... It's just something I'm excited for, and yeah. also, and it was, it was, it was my thought. Like in 2020, when I saw the Grand Prix roster, I'm like, okay, I'm at the, I'm at the pro. That's cool. You got to have a good qualifier. The fucking the badasses are in the Grand Prix. Like the fucking legit guys mm-hmm. are in the Grand Prix, and you know, and uh, we have a chance to actually do that this year. No guarantees because until I get like you're doing the Grand Prix, and the USAPL tells me Angelo Fortino, you are in the Grand Prix. I will. I will put my guard down. Be like, okay, I'm in the Grand Prix. Fantastic. Yeah, that'll that'll actually be um, my first time having an athlete in the Grand Prix. Well, you have two. Yeah. Well, yeah, with, <laughs> with Perk. Um, yeah, that's that's actually shoot. I didn't I didn't know that that was that was how they were doing it this year. That's that's actually pretty well. That cool. makes sense, right? I mean, top five guys and girls. I would. Who else would you have in the Grand Prix this well, year? It makes sense, but normally, well, like normally ahead of time, rather than like top five entered, normally they just invite people. Yeah, exactly. So like, I'm but I'm thinking because they did invite anyone right or at least or maybe they did i actually have no idea what the whole thing but from the roster i see and what was told to me is top five male and female i'm like that makes the most sense especially with the current pro series yeah like you would put the top five in the grand prix because that's how the championship i think is going to work yeah i think uh it's going to be top five on points 
male and females, and they will be competing there. So, yeah. you know, excited for that. Excited to kind of take that meet, see what we do, and you know, progress into nationals. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you this right now, though. After nationals, there, I'm planning on taking a break up until probably probably the Arnold or a meet, yeah. maybe in uh, a filler meet in the between there, where you know we're not going for something unless Delaney Wallace says the Virginia Pro. Oh, okay. You heard it here, Delaney. <laughs> yeah. I hope you're listening, buddy. Yeah, if he does the Virginia Pro, because I know he, you know, he's he's doing PLA, and I'm very happy he's doing PLA because we won't have some schmuck winning 83 <laughs> and representing our country, and like yeah. with a 750 total, we'll have a legit guy winning nationals and going to worlds. Right. So we'll have that, and I actually think he's going to help Team America sweep. Yeah, I IPF so. Worlds, which I'll be very excited for, and yeah, people, people listening, like I'm, I'm okay with PLA. I'm okay that people are competing, and also I want to see America kick ass. I want, and I want to, I want to continue that because it was the Virgin Islands kicking ass last year, and I want all of America to kick ass, and I want them to know who the best country in the world is, and we're all powerlifting, and that is United States of America. Yes, sir. I want that to happen. Delaney Wallace is the guy to kind of do that, which is good. But I told them. And do your thing, win worlds, win nationals, and give me my last fucking shot at you at eighty two and a half at the Virginia <laughs> Pro. I'm like, if he does it, thank you. if he does it, awesome. If he doesn't do it, then we're taking that long break. But uh, that's that's the only way I'll do the Virginia Pro is if Delaney signs up for it and is down. And I and I get because I'm over I'm over three on him. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I lost twenty nineteen, which I wasn't even aware that he existed right. uh, in twenty nineteen, but. He beasted out then. I thought maybe I could win the regular session, but he beasted out and actually got sixth mm-hmm. in 2019. 2020 Arnold, where we thought our main competition was Candido. Right. I, oh, well, you thought that. I definitely didn't think that. I'm like, that Delaney Wallace guy got sixth. Yeah. I'm, so, now, my, honestly, my worst scouting report. Yeah, because I was like, Delaney Wallace, I think I said on the podcast, I'm like, Delaney, uh, guys, don't sleep on Delaney. This guy got sixth at nationals it, admittedly he he really like from nationals to the arnold he jumped a oh, decent, yeah. like his yeah. his total was... oh no he, he had the same progress as me but he was starting with a bigger total exactly. like we had the same exact progress and then nationals was the big one right. and you know he you know if he misses that last de- if he that that last deadlift was the the kicker there yeah and, like he beat me on that too because i didn't even i had to, i forgot in the entire competition yeah. I didn't even know he'd be crude, and I'm like, wait, did I beat Delaney? Because I was just assuming right. Sean was second, right? Yeah. And I had no idea he didn't even take, and which makes no sense because he yeah. missed two squats, I think, or yeah. he was he didn't have the squat day, and I was like, I just assumed he was second. Like I don't like it was in the mind like, oh, Nori's always second. Like right. you're competing for third. So when they told me I got third, I'm like, did I beat Delaney? What the fuck? And like, no, he beat Gruden. I'm like, what did Delaney do? Like second, like shit, god damn it! <laughs> so and had he had he missed his last deadlift, we would have been pulling for second and not third. Yeah, so. for sure. And you know, but he he's he, he hits his he hits his lifts. He goes eight for nine, nine for nine consistently. And uh, yeah, it, that's the old that, like for the plans of twenty twenty two. That's the plan. Two meets, three meets if Delaney does the Virginia Pro. Yeah, and I and I couldn't agree more with that. It's it's just got to be, you know, as, as you evolve and get stronger, I, I do think that just another like coaching lesson is you probably should just do less meets because you need more time to mm-hmm. make proper progress. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're Ash who doesn't really take those, but he does the thing. He does it smart. He, he takes like a good six attempt meet. Yeah. And that's something like I would like to do. 
Right. Two is like, yeah, go to meat lift as a guest lifter, yeah. hit hit some RP eights on the platform, and then go and you know maybe hit your back offsets at the gym or something. Yeah. Like I think platform practice and all that stuff. Like, uh, what I was thinking is like for bench press, like the practicing oh, yeah, the competition yeah. that's, holds, that's like and all that stuff, thought. like. But I mean, actually, I'm in I'm in the greatest state for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we are in the greatest state of Houston, uh, Texas, where meets happen seemingly every hour. Yeah. So we can do that for 2022. But Joe, it's been fantastic having you here in person. Our first in person interview together. Yes, sir. You are joining the likes of Russ Orhe, Brandon Petrie, Derek Thistleways in in person interviews. That is that is quite the company to be amongst. It is a very strange group. Yes, sir. Uh, and you're you're in there. So um, I'll be talking to you probably soon. Uh, I I would, get, my shit's gonna be sent to you. Yeah, so I would assume I'd, tonight. Yeah, for that. And um, good luck with everything. Also, I don't know. I congratulate anything on game day barbell. The last time we talked on the show, but after being there twice, congratulations because it is. One of the best facilities, if not the best facility I've been to in powerlifting in my life. And I can say that with confidence. It gives Surge a run for its money. Well, I, I highly appreciate that, especially you comparing us to Surge because I know how much you love that gym. Um, yeah, we... Well, if I'm being biased, it's better than Surge because you guys only have a Lico. Yeah. <laughs> you guys only have a Lico shit and the USAPL, the IPF shit. So, like, it already beats Surge just in my personal bias. So, you, you have my title. I mean... Hey, I'll, I'll take that, man. That's a that's a high, high uh, endorsement, and I really appreciate that. Hey, you heard that, Serge. If you want to win me over again, take out all USPA shit. <laughs> just take out all of it and only put, and then just make it mostly USAPL, Jim. Your business will hurt tremendously. You'll lose a lot of money, but you'll get a shout-out on a podcast of me saying that you're the best gym in the world. Yeah, we we really put a, a a lot of our heart and soul into that place, literally, literally building it ourselves, mm-hmm. um, and we're only improving it. Like since the last time you were there, we got like four new machines for the bodybuilding side. Yep. So, um, and we got a brand new deadlift bar. Not that you really need one, but mm-hmm. you know, have, unless someone wants to roll in, yeah, you know. Uh, so that two, that's cool. two white lights is back on. It's uh, it, we're we're back in the uh, the positive lights of untested powerlifting. Yeah, so I know we're. Uh, Come comeback already starting in twenty twenty one. We were can or twenty twenty two. We were canceled for most of twenty twenty one. Now we're 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 back in the positive uh the positive views and their their lights have shined on us. Yes, so sir. uh yeah, deadlift bars, squat bars, they're fantastic. Yeah, guys. We love them on two white lights. Oh yeah. Um but yeah, the the thing that I'm most excited about coming up though is the the meet that we're having that you and yep. Steve are commentating. Yep. Which yep. I, I can't wait for. We've got some heavy hitters doing it. I I it was glancing over the roster. Uh, do you know you know Sean Mosier? Yeah. So he's he's uh, not exa- not exactly retired, but he hasn't done a meet in a while. So he's doing our meet. Um, we've got Charlie Yang doing his comeback meet. Um, bunch of just really str- is, Kai, is Kai still doing that meet? No. So we decided to do uh, the Boss Barbell meet. That's okay. a little bit closer to him. It just makes more sense with the timeline for national. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like I saw him on, on the roster. I'm like, okay. I'm like. It, All right, I'm like that could be interesting. It, admittedly, if we if we were forced to do that, it was going to be one of those ones where he just like takes yeah like, take the cap yeah like second attempt kind of things. Um, but with how well he moved his recent uh, deadlift, I he's he's looking he's one of those guys who I'm I'm really excited to see because he is like kind of the perfect mentality type lifter mm-hmm. where there's no like hype 
with him or he's not he doesn't have an overblown ego about himself right. he's just like i just want to improve on my lifts and it's like okay that's actually a really good mindset to have and he does that yeah. and that's his goal uh, going for and he's he's the deadlift specialist that doesn't suck his own dick about deadlift. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all well, the other deadlift specialists we've been seeing in powerlifting, where it's like I'm gonna be the best in the world. It's like you're good at one fucking lift. Shut up. <laughs> and then Kai is he's a, he's a, he's an unofficial American record holder. Right, he right. deadlifts over 800 pounds, and he really doesn't talk that much about his deadlift. He talks. He shows all of his lifts and his. His main objective is to get better at uh, at powerlifting, not just deadlifting. So his his gym calls him God's favorite, and it just it <laughs> makes me laugh every time I look at his comments because it's it's literally just that a million times. That's that's favorite. That's 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 pretty awesome. It's, I did not know that. That's that's uh, that's actually quite funny. But it is all right. I'm looking forward to that. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for coming out to Houston. Long drive from Austin. Drive safe home. Thank we'll you, see you definitely very soon. You're of course an unofficial co-host. So. Whenever we require you to come on, you have to come on. That's required. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.